You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Before it's done, right? You don't have the luxury of like checking out before it's done if it's a job that needs to be done. And so I imagine the disciples might be like, well, how long do we have to do this for? And maybe as a Christian we ask, well, how long do I have to do this for? How long do I have to be a witness for? And Jesus is saying, until I come, continue to work. Until I come, continue to do this. He says, once everyone is heard, not when everyone's accepted, that's different. If it was waiting till everyone's accepted, then we'd be waiting a really long time because how many know you have people that still don't like being, the fact that you're a Christian, don't like your message, don't like the fact that you go to church, don't like that you have morality in your life. So if it was waiting upon them, them coming to Christ, then we'd be waiting a long time. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, when the gospel's been preached, when everyone's heard it, then the end will come. When everyone's had a chance to hear the message at least once, that's why the work of missions is so important, because when we have missions at work in the world, we are carrying out that great commission. When we support missionaries, that's what's happening, and that everyone's getting a chance, an opportunity to hear the message of the gospel at least once. The job isn't done until everyone has heard. An inconvenient truth. No, this is not about Al Gore or or global warming. That's not what I'm talking about today. But the inconvenient truth is as we get older, our circle of friendship closes. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. Think of how many new people you meet on a regular basis. Think of how many people that you are now making new friends with. And I I would dare to say, as you've gotten older, that circle gets smaller. Because why? When we found somebody that we enjoy being around with, we're kind of like, I'm fine with that, and I'm okay with this group of people. And we don't branch out any further than that whatsoever. As we get older, too, especially if you came to Christ when you were younger, you might find that as you've gotten older, your non-Christian friends have kind of gone by the wayside, and you develop a new set of friends that happen to be Christian. And so that circle is only among Christians. So you may not have a lot of friends that are not Christians. So there is not much of an opportunity for you to share your faith with anybody because we're with people that we're comfortable with, that we enjoy being around, who believe the same way we do, that think the same way we do. And so it's easy for us to kind of settle into a rut. And to be honest with you, sometimes to get outside of that circle is very scary for us, especially when it comes to, like, sharing with people. But can I encourage you today to let your circle be a little bit bigger and to be intentional about being friends with people that maybe aren't Christians, that maybe don't feel the same way you do, that don't think or believe the same way you do. And I know that can be frightening and frustrating at the same time because sometimes when we are friends with people that don't believe the same way we do or don't think the same way we do, we can easily get annoyed and frustrated with them. But if we approach it with the understanding that God loves them too, and that he cares about them, and he wants to see them come to know Christ, and that there was a day where you didn't know Jesus, and you were annoying. Amen? It's true. There was a time that you weren't a Christian, you were rough around the edges. There's a time that you didn't love God, serve God, or even follow the right things, and you're like, oh my gosh, that person is a train wreck, and maybe you were the train wreck. 
So thanks be to God that someone took an interest in you and said, you know what, I care about that person so much. I'm going to tell them about Jesus, and if they reject me, they reject me. But I care about them enough to let them know. And does that circle get smaller as we get older, or are we ever expanding the circle as we get older to show people the love of God towards others? Here are some simple ways that we can do this. You say, well, pastor, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a preacher. Some of you are. Some of you are really good at it, by the way. I look at people like Gary. I look at people like Art. And you have those people there are good at that sort of thing. People like Gene who, who are good at approaching complete strangers and talking to them about Jesus. As an introvert, that terrifies me. It really does. I'm like, I want to get to know you. I want to be your friend. And then I'll talk about those things. But there are people that are absolutely bold about sharing their faith with people. They are fearless. They have that evangelist heart to reach people. But how can we do this? We say, well, Pastor, that's the responsibility of other people, but not me. The truth is, it's very easy for us to do. There are three simple things that you can do, even in the midst of your your self-quarantining and your isolation. Number one, you can offer to pray with someone who doesn't go to church to pray with someone or for someone. How many know you when you talk to people that sometimes people are going through stuff? Sometimes people are going through bad things. And then the, the, the platitude of the world is often our thoughts and prayers are with this person. But what they mean is they're thinking about them, but they're not actually praying for them because they don't believe in prayer. Most people who say that don't believe. But what if you actually, when someone was talking to you and they said, you know, I've gone through a really tough time. Things are hard in my marriage. Things are tough with my finances, whatever the case might be. And that you stop and said, you know what? I'm sorry to hear that things are difficult for you right now. You know that I believe, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe that God can turn things around for you. Would it be okay if I prayed for you? And most of the time people will say, yeah, that's okay. Pray for me. But then you could take it one step further and say, can I pray for you right now? Because that's something you could do at that moment. And sometimes they'll say no, but there'll be other times where they'll say, yeah, let's pray. And you know what? Can you pray in that moment with your heart for that person? Because I've noticed that when I've prayed with people, and even people who are not spiritual people, even people who weren't Christians, and when I've prayed for them, and you pray the heart of God through them and into them, you recognize that it starts to touch their heart. You know, you, sometimes you'll pray for like two to five minutes there and you're just praying for them and then you open your eyes and you'll see that they're wiping tears from their eyes because they've been moved by God working in their heart as you prayed. And this is something you can do with someone as you're talking with them in person. This is something you can do on the phone. This is something you can do via text. You can sometimes send a text prayer as well. You can do this. You know how to pray. You say, well, I can't pray like pastor. I can't pray like this deacon or this person that I know. God's not asking you to pray like those people. He's not. He's not asking you to pray like them. I remember when my kids were younger, my son would say to me, just like, I can't pray like you You, you do, Dad. And I told him, I have a lot more practice at it. I've been doing this a long time. But the only way you get to get to a place where you feel comfortable praying is if you do it enough. And when you first start off praying for people, it is a little awkward. It is a little stilted. But instead of trying to pray like somebody else, can you pray like you would pray? I gotta pray like so-and-so in the King James Version prayer. 
these thous and therefores, and Almighty God, and we, we mention all of his titles. There's some people who pray, and they mention all the titles. Or there's some people who use Father God as a comma, you know. They pray Father God, and then they, and Father God. And so, and so we think, I gotta pray like that. You just have to pray like you. And pray for them. And let them know you care about them. And sometimes it will move the heart towards change. Second thing you can do is send an encouraging verse or a scripture text to somebody. I'm not talking about just random things where you just shoot a verse to them. That's kind of like we're kind of uh, approaching things as sniper evangelism or kind of or shotgun approach to reaching people. I'm just talking about you text them and say, you know what? You know, Kevin, I was thinking about you today. And this verse came to mind. And just you share the text, you share the link with them. Can I tell you that the wonderful thing about sharing the verse of Scripture is that you can't mess that up. And there's something encouraging about the Word, that even people who don't necessarily, like, uh, go to church or anything like that, when they read the words there, or you give them a reference, say, you know, I was thinking about you today, read this. And they read, they go, wow, that was exactly what I needed to hear today. You are making yourself available to be a blessing to someone in some way. And the Scriptures tell us in Isaiah uh, 50 or 55 that God's Word never returns empty. It will accomplish what He has set out for it to do. So we're allowing the Word to do something that sometimes we can't. The third thing we can do is invite them to church. Invite them to church. So, you know, you pray for them. If you, they were really touched by it, like, you, you know what encourages me is that I found that when I go to church that I, I feel better when I leave. Why don't you come with me to church on Sunday and we'll go out and grab lunch afterwards. That's something that we can do that we are, as we do this, we fulfill the Great Commission. You still with me? Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. A, 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 a caveat, if you will, as we talk about sharing with people. The Apostle Paul writes this in, in Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6 in the English Standard Version. He says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on the account of which I am in prison, that I might make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So he's praying for an open door for himself, but he also says, for you, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I want you to think about that, that your words should be full of grace seasoned with salt so you know how to answer everyone. What Paul's talking about that is our speech should be such a way that when we look for the open doors and opportunities to be able to share, which by the way, sometimes some of us are just looking for, uh, we're saying, well, I just, I want to wait for them to ask me about Jesus. The truth is that won't often happen. Being honest with you, they won't. But if you see an opportunity to share with somebody about the hope that you have within you, you share it. Listen, we share about the good meal that we had last night, the restaurant we just checked out, the new place that we went on for vacation, or the movie we just saw, and we share that, and it doesn't even, we don't have to wait for someone to ask, have you seen any good movies lately? We don't. We just feel compelled to share it because it's something that's good to us, that we enjoyed. Christ is good in our life. We are Christians. We are followers of Jesus. It's good in us. And when we have something good, let's share it. When we have news that's good, let's share it with somebody. 
So we're looking for the opportunity, but we're also being careful with how we share. Be intentional about your words and actions. Don't be spicy, be salty. And sometimes when I talk about it too, it says let your words be seasoned with salt. And some of us are better at being salty than having the words be salt in someone's life. What I mean by that is that sometimes we can just simply be rude, obnoxious, caustic, argumentative. There are times that we as Christians, we're, we're fighting about the wrong things. Instead of fighting for souls, we're fighting for politics. Instead of fighting uh, for and contending for the gospel, we're fighting with brothers and sisters online, or we're fighting with, with people who are our coworkers or our family members, and we're fighting for the wrong things. We're being salty, but we're not being salt and light. And salt, you have to understand, back in the times where you know, Paul is writing these things, they didn't have refrigeration back then. So how did they keep meat? They salted the meat heavily to preserve it, dried it out, and then when they brought it somewhere else, they would throw it in a stew, and then it would be, uh, th- then the moisture would go into it, and then it would be good for people to eat. But the salt kept it from spoiling. The salt kept it from going bad. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, are our words, do they have a saving and preserving quality to them? Are our words, are we intentional about the way that we think and the way that we speak to others so that we have in mind that what I want to accomplish, what I want to communicate to people is preserving, life-saving, and life-giving. That's the kind of words that need to be coming out of our mouth. When we are around other people, we're easily influenced to speak like they do. But how often are you being intentional about the situations you go into that you would be able to be there and to bring words of life and hope to others? Too much salt makes food unedible. Inedible. Unedible, Stephanie? Inedible. She's an English person. I'm just a pastor, okay? Inedible. Too much salt is like, this this is disgusting. This is unpalatable. So when we're bringing the words of life, when we're bringing the bread of life for people to consume, when we're bringing the waters of life for people to drink and be refreshed, are we putting too much salt in it so that it becomes unpalatable? Or are we doing it in such a way that brings about preservation? As the worship team comes up as we close, I want to encourage you to be intentional in our words and our actions Have we forgotten the mission? Maybe we didn't even know that there was one. That's part of the reason why I'm sharing this message with you today. Perhaps we know about the Great Commission, and we know about God's mission for us, but it's further down on our list of priorities compared with our own missions and goals. Listen, it's good to have goals. It's good to have priorities in life. It's good to have a plan that you're shooting towards. We have our own mission that we want to accomplish. But where does God's mission fit on our list of priorities and our own missions and goals? If we were to really think about it, we would understand today that sometimes God's mission is further down compared with our own mission. But why is it important? Why is this commission important? Why is this mission that God gave his disciples and it gives us today important? It's important because this is not about being good. 
It's not about being a member of Living Hope Church. Please hear me today when I say that to you. I am not looking for this to be carried out so that our church gets bigger. But what it is about is about the difference between someone you know and love going to heaven or not. It can't get any simpler than that. It's not about this church, this building, or how many we have on the membership roster. It's about whether you're not the people you know in your family, your workplace, your neighbors and friends, whether or not you will see them in eternity or not. And if we truly saw it that way, then what has always been at the bottom of the list in terms of our priorities with the Great Commission would certainly be moved to the top of the list. If we really believe that, if we really believe that the gospel is the only thing that can save, then it would change the way we prioritize the mission that Jesus gave us. The work on the cross is finished, but the work of the gospel is not done. A commission is a duty that's one assigned to. You are never an off-duty Christian. Like, you don't get out of here on Sunday morning and go, well, I'm glad that's over with. Back to living my life the way I want to. We're not off-duty. We're not part-time Christians. By your words and your actions, you should always be a witness for Jesus. And it's something we need to do lovingly, thoughtfully, and boldly. Deal Moody, uh, a uh, noted 19th century evangelist, um, Moody Church in Chicago is established by him. Moody Press, which prints out the majority of literature that we know today, commentaries and books on Christianity. Uh, he was a noted 19th century evangelist. And a woman approached him after a crusade and spoke to him. And she said to him, she said, I don't like the way you do evangelism. Now, if you don't know what evangelism is, the word of, uh, uh, evangel, evangelium, which means good news comes from the Greek word evangelion, which means good news. And so evangelism is the sharing of the good news. So she said to D.L. Moody, she says, I don't like the way you do evangelism. And Moody very humbly responded, I don't care for the way I do it either. Please tell me, how do you do evangelism? You see where this is going. The woman replied, well, well, I don't. And politely and kindly, D.L. Moody responded, well, madam, I prefer the way I do it to the way that you don't do it any day. So there's times where we don't always like evangelism or the opportunity for evangelism. Sometimes we don't even like the way other people do it. But are you doing it? Do you have a heart to share with other people? We can make all kinds of excuses for why we don't do it. But the fact of the matter remains is that Jesus gave his life for this message. Gave his life so that others could find eternal life. And it's a job that he's given all of us to do. So let's get out there and get the job done. I want to pray for us today that we would catch a vision for the Great Commission. After I pray, Bob will be leading us in a song and myself and a few others will be here at the front to pray for you for whatever you're going through. And we're here to pray with you and stand with you. But can I pray for all of us today that we would all be about this mission that God gave us. That we would never get too comfortable with where we are, who we know, and what we're doing. 
that we forget about the one thing that Jesus gave his disciples to do, the one thing that won't be done until he finally comes back. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I just pray today, Lord God, even as I look at this myself, there are times that I haven't always followed through on this. And Lord, this is a good reminder for us that we are to be people that, who have received grace, who have received love and forgiveness today, and we are recipients of salvation. And I pray today that we would not get comfortable with our circle of Christians and friends that we know that are just like us. But God, help us to expand our circle, to touch others, to care about others. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a burden for lost people, for lost souls, and that we would be intentional about where we go and what we do, developing friendship and relationship, sharing with them care and concern, praying with people and telling them about Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that not only that you would motivate us to do this, but Holy Spirit, would you help us in the delivery of this precious message? We pray that people would hear and respond, that they would not respond to us, but they would respond to your Holy Spirit at work in them. Would you lead people to you, that we might be able to say friends and family and neighbors and loved ones that we care about, that they would choose to believe in Jesus, and we know that that relationship that we have with them would not be a temporary one, but that would be one that we would see in eternity forever and ever. Grant us this boldness, this courage, and this anointing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.